0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and as always, I am joined by a special guest. But before I get into that, I just want to remind you, if you have a career-related question and you are seeking advice, maybe you're going through a transition you've been furloughed or you're just actually saying I want to try a new industry, you can send in your career-related question via DM at podcast on Instagram or you can actually go on the Anchor app and drop me a voice note for your chance to feature in my up and coming episodes. So without further ado, I would like to welcome to today's show, Lanre.
1: I got my I chat.
0: Yes, everyone gets an intro. You're a special guest. So. <laughs> How's it appreciate going? Appreciate it, appreciate
1: it. Yeah, everything's good. Everything is good. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. So, I was actually really looking forward to speaking with you because what you do as a job kind of is of really big interest to me. Well, in terms of, you know, property, but, um, and it also always reminds me of one of my favorite shows, which is Homes Under the Hammer. So, (laughs) so could you just like introduce yourself and uh, I've kind of hinted a little bit of what you do, but what exactly you do?
1: So my name's Len Ray. Um, Some of my socials, well, all my socials, um, because my first name is Ignatius. So some people might refer to me as Ignatius. Essentially, I am a self-employed real estate agent and I um, sell properties, particularly new build properties, which is what I specialize in. So sell them, also rent them out. um, And I also do secondhand properties. um, So properties that have been lived in before um, that are still relatively new or some properties that I actually do have at the moment um, are quite old. So it just varies. Okay.
0: And how did you actually get into the field?
1: Um, It's an interesting story. So I actually studied criminology and human rights in university. And then when I looked at the salaries of a probation officer, because that's what I initially wanted to do afterwards. It would take me like 10 years to get to about 40,000 a year, which to me, because I live by myself, that's a long time for not that much money in London, to be honest. So, and I had a lot of, a lot of people in the real estate industry. And so I was just like, okay, I might try this. Didn't really have any expectations because I've heard quite a lot of, bad thoughts mm-hmm. and bad comments about a state agency um, but the money was really the the go-getter and then I just got a referral so I gave my friend my CV and then I got an interview and then I've been in the industry four years now in May this year. And
0: That's would insane. you say that was like the best decision you could have made?
1: Um no <laughs> <laughs> no because like Like it's a lot of hours, okay. Like, yeah, so especially like a standard estate agent, if they're actually good at their job, will probably be working like in excess of like 50, 60 hours. Wow. Um, yeah, let alone to let alone to talk the fact that now I'm self employed, so I'm actually working more hours than I was um before. But apart from that, like it's very like you, I meet a lot of interesting characters, Mm -hmm. um, the money's great which is where why most people do go into sales. But yeah, it's, I would say it's, it was, I'll say a shallow decision, but a decision that I don't regret just because I spent time, obviously three years of my life studying a social science and I'm still very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I just compared like salaries, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, um, So I wouldn't say I necessarily regret the decision, but I wouldn't say it's like a good decision. Just because of the fact that I only entered it because it was shallow. But I did fall in love with the industry, which I was very surprised about.
0: That's interesting that you said that, actually, because I think uh, there's a lot of people that do degrees and you do it without kind of thought um, in terms of, like you said, looking at salaries, job prospects after. I know when I went to uni the first time I did business studies and, you know, I kind of went into it because I liked business and the thought of being my own like you know boss and stuff like that but when you actually mm. think of the reality of what it is to be an entrepreneur and coming out mm. as a student and the money that's mm. involved and you kind of just go into uni especially for me at that time everyone was going to uni so it was like mm. yeah let me just go to uni as well whereas mm. in now because the fees are so high I think people are a bit more mindful of whether they need to put themselves in that much much debt mm. but you saying it's shallow though I think it's um an interesting point as well because what do you chase money or passion but then your passion might make you live a broke life (laughs) Mm. do you get what I mean so
1: definitely I think for me it's when I say shallow I me going into the industry it was for shallow reasons just because of it was just for monetary gains yeah um however the passion is what keeps me going for the 50 60 70 hours a week that I might work just because of the fact that now it's got to the point because I know that I'm actually very good at my job. It's not just the money that is just there for me now. And if it was just the money, some like some months are or some weeks are really bad. Yeah. Um, but I love the hustle, the bustle. I love the fact that I can help people get from point A to point B to finally owning their property. I like the fact that I can help people that are struggling to sell their property. Um, and that's what keeps me going just because with properties, anything can happen within the transaction, transactional period. Yeah. So I'm not guaranteed that money until let's say two, three months after the sale was agreed anyways. So it's a thing where I just love what I do because of the fact that I know that I'm good at it and the fact that I'm actually helping people. So, yeah. So I would say definitely my passion outweighs the shallow, the sh- <laughs> my initial shallow, um, <laughs> stance at going into the industry which I was very surprised at because of the fact that I had quite a bad experience in my first estate agency okay. um, but then it, the passion just grew 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 and then here I am and you know in terms of the
0: terminology so online sometimes you see some th- some people say like real estate estate agent mm. realtor is there any mm. difference there or are they all the same thing
1: um, they're all pretty much the same thing, to be honest. Real estate is just an American term. Okay. You just, it's just all they're all the same definition. You have different, like for instance, if you were to get into like technical terms, going into like su- surveying and things like that. Yeah. But in terms of selling properties, it's just real estate agent or realtor. It's just realtor is just more of an American term.
0: Okay, and the di- the difference is with America, they have to have some form of licenses. Is that correct? <laughs> yes 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 so they
1: are looking to bring that in um into the uk in the next coming years okay um but essentially you've basically got a degree level um qualification if you for you to become a realtor um which is probably why most or america's well america's very highly regulated compared to the uk because the uk when when i actually compare myself to other estate agents a lot of people are very, they don't go by the book. And that's why some estate agents are renowned, unfortunately, for having a bad reputation. Yeah. And just because you don't need a qualification to get into a estate agency. So it's, yeah, the, the American industry is probably where the UK industry is going to eventually get to in terms of regulation wise. um, But also in terms of the way how they um operate as a business, yeah. because everyone in America is self-employed.
0: What does that mean then for People like yourself then, would you have to go and get qualified if you're ready? Yes, I think
1: what it is, so it hasn't been gone through into parliament yet um but basically we have like a regulation body called ala who who basically if you have like creditations from there then you know that okay the, the people that you're dealing with are quite serious so they are looking they brought it to parliament to basically get people regulated so it's still in the early stages but basically i think what they're gonna have to do they once they announce it there has to be a you'll probably have like a leeway time of, for you to be able to get your license because it does take i think it's like 300 hours worth of um studying so it's not like something as quick as just a normal online test or something like that it's actually what is a degree level um qualification Mm. so it is going to be something that will take a while to get implemented but it is coming
0: would you be happy for that to be enforced then because again you just mentioned not everyone plays by the book and again I guess that's going to sieve out those that are dodgy versus those that are passionate about the industry definitely
1: definitely definitely I think it's it's needed because of the fact that when I I essentially got taught at my first estate agency that for you to be a good agent, you need to essentially be a a sophisticated liar. Wow. Um, Yeah. Um, Which didn't sit well with me. And that's me coming in as a 20 year old guy from wearing a Primark suit, being intimidated by all of these people that are like 10 years older than me in their flashy suits, flashy cars. Um, And it just didn't sit well with me. Mm. And I just kind of had to adapt my way around, it. and it's it's quite common that essentially you've got to do what you've got to do to get a deal across. And it's just because of I've got quite a high conscience; it's never really sat well with me. Um, so it will definitely sieve out all of the unregulated people, even though there are bodies and there are means in place where you can hold people accountable for their service. It because of the amount that is needed to get a license, people just won't want to get into the industry.
0: Yeah. I, I hear you on that because that's that's the same with my industry. Coaching isn't regulated mm-hmm. um, and you just see people all over the place. I'm a life coach, I'm a, this financial coach and stuff like that and this. Yes, there's bodies that you can apply to and be a part of that community. But, you know, other than I guess if you probably cause someone some emotional distress and they take it like to court or something, anybody mm. can just put coach on their on their status. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's a bit disheartening because yeah. I did a, did mine in, as a master's. So you go yeah. out of your way to qualify and make sure you know what you're doing so that you yeah. don't, you know, bring harm to somebody. But there's mm. so many people out there just basically selling coaching courses and stuff like that for like weekend workshops which is a bit wild mm. so um going back on like before you got into the industry when you was growing up did you have an interest in property or did you you know ever think oh you know when i get to a certain age i want to acquire properties mm. or so forth
1: um to be honest no um the only like property that i had because my mom never actually bought the house that we're in now okay that me and my sister are in, but she built in Nigeria. So she's got quite a few properties in Nigeria. So apart from that, that was probably be the only like participation in terms of property. But I never really was setting out like reading like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and reading all these property related books. What kind of sparked it for me was after I handed in my second dissertation, I went over to Miami to celebrate I was like yeah I want to party I'm gonna go do this I'm gonna do that and then I um, actually never done any of that I literally just got a load of property books for some odd reason and just sat by the pool and just basically just read 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 for the three weeks I was out there um, or however long I was out there for and then I was just like okay if I was to shift from my degree to to this, what is going to be the best way for me to have a good understanding of everything? Then, literally, as soon as I landed, I got the interview, and then a couple of days later, I started the job for the state agency. So, what and sparked then, yeah. to
0: that? Then you was on holiday, and you just bought books. Nothing kind of brought that thought process yeah. to you.
1: It was literally because of the fact that I had to do two dissertations. Okay. Um in my final year and I decided to opt out of exams. So literally all of my, I had about like 50,000 words to write in the space of like seven months. Wow. And so it was like, I was so bombarded. I was basically doing night shifts in the library, then going to work, night shifts in the library, going to work. And I was just so mentally drained. I kind of just amped myself up. Yeah, I'm gonna do all of this in Miami. Then when I got to it, it was just like, okay, I'm not actually a student anymore. Like, this is actually real life now. And I just chilled out and I was just like, yep, let me just read some books. Because I never, even though I studied social science, I never read, I never read books. Like I was never really an avid reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, something just clicked in my head. I was just like, yeah, let's just buy all of these books. And then here we are.
0: Yeah. So, so talk me through then your first job in the industry. Like, what was that like?
1: So it was so my contract first of all was just it was probably illegal to be honest really um yeah um so to break it down all estate agents because the vast majority of your salary is from commission yeah from selling somebody's property so you will have a basic salary and then which tends to be on a normal estate agency anywhere between 16 to 20,000 a year. Okay. If you become a senior it probably goes up to about 25 at max depending how long you've been in there. Then you obviously get commission on top. So let's say for instance an estate agency charges somebody Two percent to sell their property. So if they sell their property for five hundred thousand, you get ten. The company gets ten thousand commission of that, and then the negotiator who sold the property will usually get between eight to ten percent of that ten thousand. So let's say roughly anywhere between eight hundred to a thousand pounds for that sell. So if you're selling, let's say four properties a month, you should be getting a decent amount of money. Um, however that con- particular contract basically the hours were 8:30 to 6 monday to friday and no monday to yeah monday to friday and then saturday was 9 till 5 to 5:30 and then you only had one day off in, in one day off in the week per month wow so yeah so essentially was working how much is that you was working basically 23 days out of the 28 days of of the month. No way, that is crazy. And to be honest, if you didn't come in earlier or if you're not staying after, they deem you as being unproductive. And then on top of that, basically, usually what you will have is just your basic salary for your period or duration of the time that you're in the company. But this company basically had a clause that said, you're on a basic salary, I'll, I'll even say there's the numbers. You're on a basic salary of 18,000. However, if you make 20,000 pounds in fees, which is equivalent to about anywhere between two to four cells, we will drop your basic salary down to 9,000 a year.
0: Wait, which, wait, 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 hang on, how is that possible?
1: Which basically meant if you so if you've basically yeah so they'll drop you down to nine thousand a year if you do not get any commissions that month as in the company do not get any commissions so they can pay you mm-hmm. they will then top you up, because of the hours that you're working against that nine thousand pounds you are obviously under minimum wage and the minimum wage for the hours that you're working is eighteen thousand a year so um they will essentially top you up for that month, but when they do get, when you do get your commissions, they will take that money back that they topped you up. So
0: a loan basically on
1: your salary. Essentially. So, and that basically, if you hit 20,000 in sales or if you've been, but that retainer only lasted six months. Okay. So when I actually realized about that after like a couple of weeks, I realized that even the senior negotiator that was one below the manager was in debt to the company. So, I was just like, okay, I need to essentially get out of this company. Yeah. So, but the experience in that company, because I was only there for about two and a half months, it taught me how to sell. Okay. As I said, they said to me, you need to be a sophisticated liar, which I didn't take on board. (laughs) Um, But it taught me how to be that aggressive estate agent when I need to be. Yeah. But aside from that, it didn't really teach me anything. It just taught me what the process is. And then I was there for a very short time and then I moved on to a second estate agency like two and a half months later. Okay. It was just the hours for that particular estate agency was just basically um the the killer. And the, the ethics within within the company itself, it was just very, very, very unethical in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And like when you went into your next roles then, what
1: what was mm-hmm. that like? So luckily, so that particular role was based in Walthamstow. Okay. So I live in Craydon. So I, I back then I didn't know how to navigate Blackwall Tunnel. So if you know Blackwall Tunnel at like 8.30 in the morning. Yes. Grand packed. (laughs) Yeah. So I never used to be cheeky to go on like the hard shoulder and cut back in and things like that. So I'm leaving my house at like just before seven to get to the office just before 8.30. Because if you're one minute late, you're not going to get any inquiries for that day so if you don't get any inquiries how am I meant to sell properties yeah. so I was doing so so much in terms of driving so I was probably driving like yeah I was out of the house basically 18 hours of the day wow. so luckily for me when I got the new job it was only down the road so I could just get a tram into Craydon and out. all of the properties that I had were all in one building
0: oh, okay.
1: as opposed to the other um, estate agency where all of the properties were scattered between Walthamstow, Leyton, Leytonstone Lay- um, and Hackney. Okay. So that was the great thing. Um, so I was just literally, so the hours were, were for that second job were 10 to 7, Monday to Friday. And then you had two days off in the week. And then, then Saturdays was just like mm, 10 to 4.
0: Okay, Deej,
1: how old was you then? I'm still twenty.
0: Okay. So this
1: is so I joined that first estate agency May 30th, 2017. I then leave August 8th. Yeah, leave August 8th and join this new company um, August 31st. And then, funny enough, I actually left that company in December to then go into um, working for the biggest housing developer in the uk
0: like so in regards to the actual process then of selling a property like talk me through that what kind of skills and like what do you need to do to be able to be a good seller
1: um to be honest anybody can be easily sold anything like for me i i've been selling for nearly four years and i'm the easiest person to be sold to because i always know what i want Mm -hmm. so as soon as i see what i want it's like boom so it's just really a case of understanding your clients so a lot of estate agents will show you will show one client 10 15 properties all the properties that they have and not one of them might even tick what they're actually looking for yeah so if you say to me you want a property in Croydon, why am i showing you a property in ealing do you understand mm-hmm. so it's really uh, having a good understanding of what the client wants what their needs are, why their needs are, because especially with people, especially first-time buyers, they get an emotional attachment to to their first property. So they'll have their mindset on, I want that three-bedroom house for my first property. But unfortunately, their affordability can't reach that. They'll say they want two bedrooms, but there's only one of them. Yeah. Why do you need the second bedroom? And it's just really having a good understanding as to what they want why they why they want it and placing it with them and if you can do that you'll be selling properties left right and center and how so do you yeah, like, manage the,
0: the expectations then of a, a client when they say to you yeah hey i want that two or three bedroom and then after you know maybe they go through like the mortgage process and it mm. doesn't get approved or you know their salary doesn't mm. meet the requirements
1: mm um for me I just I first of all, with me, I always make sure people can afford what they say they do. So before I go out on viewings, especially now with the whole COVID situation, mm-hmm. if you haven't spoken to a mortgage broker, I'm not viewing any property with you because I'm not gonna potentially put myself at risk um for the sake of a pointless viewing. Yeah. Then on top of it, if let's say for instance they have everything in check, but I just don't have what they essentially need. I'm just like, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. This is, if you're looking, if your affordability can only afford you a one bedroom flat, but you want a three bedroom house, Mm -hmm. go outside of London. Yeah. You don't need to be in London because you can't afford to be in London. If you're not willing to sacrifice now for, for you getting on the property ladder now with it, with your current circumstances, but you want to get to where you want to be like in five years from time from now, Move out of London, yeah, um, or find somewhere where you can it can accommodate it can accommodate um, your affordability. So it's really just a case of identifying what I'm capable of in terms of how far I can stretch in terms of what I have access to and what their needs are. If two and two match, then happy days for everybody. If it doesn't match,
0: and in uh, in regards to you that like, you spoke on the pandemic, how has that affected the industry? Like, are you noticing? that you know you're getting a lot of inquiries still or is it a certain type of client like those with more money um, or less first-time buyers at the moment
1: yeah, to be honest right now i'm even more busier than i was when i was employed
0: oh really and
1: i only became self-employed in october Mainly because where I, the properties that I have, I have properties scattered all over like East London and Croydon, and um, particularly and um, where I was working, I was in a central London development. So the prices start from for a one-bedroom flat, it starts from seven hundred and thirty thousand. So there's only um, a minute population that can can afford these prices from seven hundred and seven seven odd hundred thousand all the way up to three point three million.
0: You're listening to The Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation.
1: So the pandemic for first-time buyers for me, which is now who I'm targeting, I'm literally getting inquiries. Probably I'm getting about 30, 40 inquiries a day. I don't do that many viewings because even though I'm getting a lot of inquiries, some of the things that I might have... It just doesn't fit their specification. And as I said, I'm not going to waste my time doing a viewing. Yeah. But I don't think the pandemic has really affected the property market. It did when they closed the industry in like July times of last year when no one could do viewings. Yeah. But then that pent up um, anticipation for the market to open, there were so many deals going through. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, even though it's, it's a awkward situation in terms of like health-wise, it's still very buoyant. In terms of transactions are happening every single day yeah. last month i sold seven properties so that's testament to how yeah. the industry is
0: that's that's amazing that's actually very encouraging as well for somebody that might be thinking about getting into the industry because when you're looking from the outside in and you're not actually doing it daily it can look like people mm. aren't spending money but again mm. you know your testament that they are so even just mm. talk me through before you became self-employed then, and you just spoke about the types of properties you were selling um, mm. how how was that experience then dealing with properties of that high value
1: so let me just get to give a bit of context so when i left my second job i went to um the developing side of things okay so a typical estate agent will deal with like a normal three-bedroom, four-bedroom house that are like period property. So like they're quite old there like that they'll be built in the Victorian times or the 1960s, 1970s or the Tudor times. So that's what a typical estate agent does. Um, however, when you go into the developing side, you deal specifically with new builds. All right. So I worked, as I said, I worked for the largest developer, housing developer in the country, a company called Barrett Homes. So I already had, because I was dotted all over London, I already had experience in dealing with like the central London market. So when you're dealing with um, those type of clients, those are people that you get different types of people. You get people that are arrogant. So because they know that they have X amount of money behind them, they're just like, because they have already this perception, I'm out here to, to essentially scam them or or do something unethical. They, already, they come with this, this level of arrogance and this level of defense. Um, when at the end of the day, the way I look at the property industry, it takes two, even though I'm working on behalf of a client, it takes two to make a transaction. Mm-hmm. So effectively I'm also working on your behalf because I need to make the deal go through. So you get arrogant individuals, you get individuals that are so laid back. They they want to view a hundred properties before they make one commitment because ultimately they are spending millions of pounds potentially. But the mindset and the attitude and of those types of buyers, like for instance, if you're coming to my office and you're saying, I want to see a two million pound apartment. I'm not, if I say to you, can I see your mortgage offer? They will just probably turn around and walk out. Yeah. As opposed to a first-time buyer that's looking to buy a, a two-bed flat for four hundred thousand, they're not going. They're, they're going to be even more afraid to be like, "Oh, I need to get my ducks in in order." So that mindset is completely different. Um, but it's interesting because I've met, I've met like multi-millionaires, I've met billionaires, I've met like the third richest Kuwait family that I bought for me. So the characters of like that price tag is very very interesting. Yeah. to be honest.
0: And um, in regards to even, you know, when you're selling uh, properties to those types of clients, do you then work alongside other people? So like things like having friends that are lawyers or interior designers, Mm. do you have like Mm. a network that you bring in on deals
1: as well? Well, When it comes to that type of price tag, they tend to have their own recommended solicitors that because they're buying at that value, they're probably transacted before. So they're most likely going to have used these solicitors that they've they've used before for a long time. I would say when you're in corporate, so when you're working for a company, it's a little less, it's harder to bring on people. But now that I'm self-employed, because I have individuals in the industry, well, in the industry that I've worked with, that I know that are trustworthy, yeah. I can connect with them a little bit more just because of the fact that I've obviously worked with them in the past. There is now like um, a a situation where I'm actually seeing a lot of black interior designers come up in the um, industry, which I do want to partner with, but sometimes I'm just a little bit cautious just because it's my reputation on the line. Yeah. And when, I, when I've when i like seen Unfortunately, a lot of the up and coming interior designers, their back end isn't as um, processed as it needs to be, especially when you're dealing with half a million pounds, a million pound assets. Everything has to be in order for everything to go smoothly. And unfortunately, the property industry is very, very small. So if one person basically messes up, the whole industry is going to know if it is a quite a big mess up. So. But now that I'm more self-employed, I I am looking eventually to 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 be reaching out to Black surveyors more that are independent Black interior designers because a lot of my Chinese clients they need interior designers. A lot of uh, more. I've actually. I'm actually in touch with quite a few black mortgage advisors, which are also up and coming. From when I first started in the industry, like it was quite unheard of to me to see somebody that's like uh, a financial advisor or or a, a mortgage advisor that is black. So yeah, eventually when I do when I see a lot more processes of their independency um, coming up. It's a lot easier now that I'm self-employed, but when you're corporate, the corporation that you work for has their own recommended recommended solicitors and brokers. So
0: yeah, that sounds good because obviously that's a big thing, especially within the black community. And that's why even I started this podcast. I wanted to, you know, showcase industries from a, a range of, you know, different kind of careers and show people that you know we are present in a lot of spaces Mm. that we might not always see kind of like Mm. mainstream media and so forth Mm. but going back to the like selling of properties what was the most expensive property that you've sold so far
1: property it was funny enough yeah it was on the market for 3.3 million and i got it agreed at 2.7 million yes how how was that day for you um It was good because like when I basically, I joined the company in October, 2019, the development that I was on only had 55 cells out of 175 in two years of marketing with new build developments. Essentially, most new builds are sold off plan. So before they're built. Okay. So the fact that the development was complete and it wasn't even a third complete, like third sold out was really bad. And in the space of two months, two, three months, I already had 15 sales agreed. Wow. And because of the fact that the penthouse was one of the most expensive units, to get that on on top of the other units that I sold was just kind of like a cherry on top. But it's like the way that I looked at it and the way that my brain processed it was I got my, com- the company that I was working for, um, how much did I get them? I got them 27,000 in a fee. And out of that 27,000, I only got 2,700. So it's like, I'm doing all, of- I'm doing for that one sale. The way that I looked at it was, yes, it's a good commission bonus. But in comparison to what I could have earned, yeah, it's like, hmm and then when and that was kind of like the the switch the the point in and that point kind of came like a year and a half prior okay. when I realized that my salary compared to what the company was worth was 0.0000001% wow and and I'm working crazy well I'm, I'm not working crazy hours when I was development side because I was only doing like 40 hours a a, a week but it's like the amount of money that they're making in comparison to the amount of money that I'm making was like like I'm quite frank with like money that I, the money that I made when I was working yeah. I was on 50,000 a year but the company was worth 4 billion pounds
0: wow that's a big difference yeah <laughs>
1: so <laughs> it's like okay uh, it's all well and good yeah I'm 2021 20, earning 50,000 a year but in comparison to the bigger picture yeah it doesn't it, it I'm I'm literally a peasant, and that's when I like when I clocked that. That's when I was like, okay, I need to navigate my way into actually becoming self-employed, yeah. as opposed to just being within the industry because my salary will will only will be capped to like maybe hundred and fifty to two hundred and twenty thousand for the year, which some people are completely happy with. However, I knew with the amount of properties that I could sell, I could make double that yeah. um, if I was self-employed. So yeah. But
0: when you put it like that it actually yeah it makes sense and I think that's the point as well Mm. when you are your own boss there is no cap on your salary Mm. unless you decide to not put in the Mm. hard work but someone Mm. can't say to you for the year you're worth x amount and that's basically Mm. it no matter how much work you put in it's never gonna kind of go any further but Mm. when you um make sales like that are you celebrated then because you say this like you're saying all these figures and the amount of property and you say it with such a humility and i'm just like wow this is like you're doing like a lot like you should be really patting yourself on the back because you're still young as well and i'm sure mm. with that must come jealousy like talk on that like what experiences because i'm sure you um, come in as a young black man and um yeah yeah you must have <laughs> ruffled some feathers
1: um yeah because especially with every single company that i've worked at, i've always been the youngest person okay so, especially when I came into the developer side, I was 21 and the youngest person after me was 30. Mm. So it was a big jump. And then I was the only black person in my whole division. So I'm coming in there, bearing in mind all of these people have been in the industry for minimum four or five years, aside from me and I've only got like five, six months of um, experience And at first it was quite intimidating, but then it was just like with new bills, they're so easy to sell because they're all brand new. And in my first month alone, I sold 17 properties and they were like, how are you doing this? And I was just like, it's just putting A and B together. And then if they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. And because I've been selling vast amounts of properties per month on a consistent basis, wherever I've been, I'm kind of used to it now um now I'm more self-employed I'm a little bit more invested in like when I get like the money over the line it's like yeah that would that work I actually put in I'm actually fulfilled Mm -hmm. whereas before it was just like okay if I don't if I haven't sold x amount it's just like oh it's just been a slow week um as opposed to if I've sold x amount like let's say a good month for me is if I've sold 10 10 plus properties I would say okay that's that's a decent month because that's more than two a week um, and then when you take when you take into consideration the amount of viewings that you have to offers and the amount of offers you have to it being accepted. I try to make a very high a very low ratio. So the lower the amount of viewings, but the more sales. So that means I'm converting the people that I'm seeing. So it's for me, it's just because I've been doing it so consistently for so long. It's just like. Uh, okay and when because i know i'm i when i first got into the industry um i didn't want to basically th- come in arrogant coming with so much energy i wanted to take a step back and be like okay what can i learn from these people first um because i know i'm naturally a good a, a good talker mm-hmm. so even though in my first month i sold 17 properties they didn't allow me to touch the computer they didn't allow me to do paperwork. They just said, here is what the, the product you're selling, sell it. And I just had to observe for like the first week. Okay, this is how they sell this. This is what this is. This is what that is. And I just had my own spin spin on it. And because I'm I'm very honest to people in terms of, okay, if, this, if I believe this property is what you're looking for, I'm pushing it. I'll be very quite frank and say to you, based on what you've told me, this property is not for you, Yeah, but this might be for you. And because unfortunately, honesty isn't a a recognized trait in the industry, people are almost like, why is he being so real? Like what you're saying makes sense. And it's just like, yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) So it's just on that side, in terms of me being like humble in terms of the sales, just because I know that I'm good at my job. Yeah. so' it's, there's not really a need to pat myself on the back. let's say that I've had a difficult transaction like for instance, I just completed on six units in a development in Old Street and they I got that sell agreed in June of last year and it's only just completed today. Okay. and I was just like there was a big sigh because it was just like of relief because it's just like, okay, this is finished. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like working with other like older people, like for instance, I was earning 50K a year, but I hated my environment because after like six months of me being in that particular company, they continuously tried to get me out. But because of the fact that I was selling so much and I was like at one point, the top seller of the of the division, um, they used to basically bring in fake customers and basically record you and then they'll score you. And in the seven years of them doing that, fake customer nobody's gotten the figure that i got of 98 percent. the average was about 70 percent um but they still continuously tried to get me out and i think it was just mainly because of i i i personally i don't know and i wouldn't i don't want i wouldn't want to play the race card but i think it did pertain to the fact that they were they weren't used to the new new breed of negotiators that were coming up yeah and because of the fact that i i was outspoken in terms of when I needed to speak, I would speak when I felt like I was being unfairly treated and they didn't really like that um, to the point where they decided to, I live in Croydon, they decided to place me in a development in Mill Hill, um, which is two and a half hours away drive. Wow, so I that's was driving crazy. For three mo- yeah. So I was driving for three months, five hours a day just to get to work. And I actually got told by a woman, they said, because because your contract was, you're employed to the head office, you're not employed to a particular site. What they do to get people out of the company is they move them to the furthest site um, from their house because you have to do it. And even that site was a slow selling site. And in my literally first week, I sold four properties on that site. And... When I started to realise like I was not being appreciated, that's when I decided, okay, it's actually time to leave. So that's the only thing I would say about the industry is a lot of people have been in the industry for a very long time. They are quite outdated in the way that they think and in the way that they sell. And especially as a young black individual, you're going to have those awkward and unintentional racial biases. No, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't I would say unintentional is the right word because they don't n- intend to be racist or tend to have racial undertones, but it's very prevalent in the industry. And my division was a good two hundred people and I was the only black salesperson in the whole black like, division in terms of when I'm taking take when you take into account all of the departments, there was three black people. So you can already have a bit of an understanding of how things could play out. Um, And a lot of the things that you're probably thinking did play out, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: And how did you stay level-headed then in those situations? Like, what was your motivation to not allow these people to push you out of your job?
1: Um, Money, to be honest. And because at that period of time, I set up the company that I am doing now, but I was doing essentially something different called property sourcing. So all of the money that I was gaining because I was getting like some months on average the lowest paycheck that I got during that period of time was like three grand sometimes I was and this is after tax sometimes I was going up to like five grand so all of that money that I was getting I was pushing it into the property sourcing business that I was doing and then when that wasn't as successful as I wanted I decided to like take a step back and see how I can essentially do what I do now Um, And what the best way is essentially create my own estate agency, because when I was doing property sourcing, I was up in Manchester, Birmingham, Bolton, Liverpool on my days off. So I used to have two days off in the week, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I was up there trying to find properties for investors to sell on. So I was essentially working seven days a week. And then because I wasn't getting the return on investment that I thought I could, I was just like, okay, let me have an honest, honest conversation with myself and say, okay, wow, That You're investing all of this money, but how much money have you made from it? I know that I'm interested in property. So what can I, what can I do to make money within property? And I just said to myself, I'm great at selling new builds. So why don't I create my own estate agency? So I decided to essentially move from working from a developer to working for a corporate estate agent, essentially. So you have like high street estate agencies and then you have corporate agencies that essentially, they do the exact same role, but they're just, they're they're a bigger corporation than the high street estate agents. And when I decided to shift that way, I was very intentional and said to myself, okay, I am going to learn how agencies run their companies. So that development that I was, in central london because you can basically get other people's clients to sell for you i rang up all of the agencies all around east london and said let me have a meeting come down see the development do you have any clients for here and once i'm talking to them to them showing them around i'm like okay so how did you set up your independent company what did you do what was this what went wrong did you need this did you need that i'm finding off the one of the guys that i actually called round is the guy I work with now okay. um so it was just because I knew that I was eventually going to go self-employed so even the new company that I worked with I had to my company the company that I worked with last was actually a really good company but they just had they were just very idiotic like they didn't have a lot of procedures in place didn't have any processes and then when I came in I had to basically restructure a load of processes which was beyond my pay grade so It was a thing where I knew, okay, if I stay in the industry, I have to be intentional with how I maneuver myself to get to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, I'm here. So it was just that's what kept me going. Just knowing that I know that I can eventually start making a decent amount of money, but I have to maybe take two steps backwards to get to where where I want to.
0: Yeah, that's a valid point as well, actually, that being willing to, like you said, take two steps backward in order backwards in order to go forward because Mm. a lot of the times we want to go off into the sunset and set up our own companies Mm. and we lack the Mm. information and the knowledge. Mm. And like you said, Mm. it can be very costly because you Mm. can go and work for someone and they're making the mistakes. It's costing them money and you're just there like being able to kind of reap off of the resources that they've already, you know, that they've put together and stuff like that. So I think that's something that to consider for anybody in any industry. If you can go into a, a business that's already established, learn Mm. from them and then Mm. go off into the world and do your own thing. It is Mm. more beneficial.
1: I think, yeah, I think, I think that's probably one issue within the black community currently is that what is great that we, everybody wants to be entrepreneur um, and everyone wants to create businesses, but running a business is, is not all, okay, yeah, I'm making X amount of money because you're effectively selling a product. You're selling a service. And the back end of a business that is, pro- that is properly regulated, properly ran with certain processes, mm. is not for the weak-hearted, like faint-hearted, um, typical person. And I feel like a lot of businesses that I've seen within our community, great ideas, great concepts, great product, great service, but they lack the back end. Yeah. And it's like, n- if you're not a professional within what you're doing, in my opinion why are you creating a business unless it's a new concept unless it's a new idea if you're giving out a service what what qualifies you for me to pay that service do you understand and that's where what I was afraid of is because I had the 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 funds to go out independently a year and a half after I left um my my second my third job actually but I was just like if I go out there I'm still heavily inexperienced. I've only been in the industry a year and a half. So if I say to somebody, "Yeah, I've been in the industry for a year and a half," the average person been, has been in the property industry for ten years. Yeah. So w- what what is my niche? What is my different? Like what, what qualifies me? Yeah, it makes you credible. Mm. Do you understand? Yeah. Um, and I feel like sometimes people, especially within the black community, because we're quite prideful people. Um, like for instance, for me, that my first the first side of my business, I prolonged it to the point where I actually unfortunately wasted ten thousand pounds, and because of my pride, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna let it go, and sometimes that emotional attachment of making and driving off into the sunset might make us make the wrong decisions or give out the wrong advice or give out the wrong type of service, yeah. and and it's not intentional because of the fact that you obviously want to create a successful business. So you having that successful business is there. But I think sometimes a lot of businesses that I've come across and services that I've come across is a, it's like it's preempt. like they, they haven't really thought through and they haven't really got the experience to run it. And unfortunately, sometimes it's a bit short-lived. And especially if you want to be long-lasting in your business, I think we everybody needs to really be intentional in terms of, if I want to take this long-term, what do I need, need to do now for it to be sustainable as opposed to these quick, 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 quick transactions.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. And and I think um, what you said about the whole point of not being credible is a very mm. important one. There's nothing wrong with taking your time and f- mm. like feeling that you are confident enough so that when you step out into something, you know, that you think you've, you've got the acriments, you've got the financial yeah. backing as well, because mm. that's another mm. area that we lack education in. Mm. Um, mm. Even like what you said about processes, even if you think about third world countries, when you go mm. back home and stuff, a lot of the systems in place are either mm. outdated or there is yeah. no systems. And that's yeah. why even the countries itself... For places mm. that should be developing mm. at a faster rate, they're not because mm. there's a lot of dysfunction mm. in the back end of things, the way systems and processes work. And when you run a business without a system, it's just too chaotic. I've been there yeah. myself. It's just, it's stressful. Mm. It's so stressful because the areas you should mm. be concentrating on, now you're having to go back on steps that if you had just put the foundations there in the beginning, exactly. things would be a lot smoother, exactly. you know?
1: Exactly. And that's what I was, I was scared of because even when I started off, the, for my first initial business idea um I had spent six seven months of training planning research and when I was actually out in the pra- practical field I was just talking uh, even though I was in the industry it's a different side of the industry um that I wasn't as familiar as I am with new bills. if anybody tells me about new, new bills, I'm your guy yeah when it comes to secondhand properties I'm not really your guy especially when it comes to up north. And when I was out there I was basically blagging just trying to make a quick buck. And when I actually finally actually had that honest conversation I just realized I wasted a lot of time, a lot wasted a lot of other people's time um and money. And I think the more the more we can create our own like like economic system because my one of my goals is to have uh, a, a basically a range of black surveyors, black estate agencies, black black mortgage advisors, everything black black black. black. My company is called Neuro Homes. Um, that's neuro translates to black in Italian. So I just want to have basically everything, anything that I need to run a successful estate agency. The, there's an independent person that is from the black community. That's like one of the long term goals. Um, however, for me. If you haven't got a, a vast amount of experience a vast amount of contacts and you haven't got any qualifications for me it's a redundant you're, you're redundant to me and that's not to be to be rude but it's just especially when you're in this um industry where you're like dealing with people's life savings p- t- people who have gone through years of saving and, and sacrifices it's not something to really joke about if somebody let's say if it was a, a product where you're spending a couple of hundred pounds even though it's not it's not right to not have a qualified service, compared that to somebody's £200,000, I would be putting them at a detriment if the people around me or even myself is not qualified. Because yeah. there's so many situations where I don't know. And like, for instance, a lot of questions are asked to me by buyers are, what about what about is is this in the property or can I change this or can I do that? And it's like, I'm selling this property for you. However, you're not buying it from me. If you want any official answers, get that in writing from your solicitors. Some as agents that I've worked with that I've shadowed, they will say that anything to get a deal agreed yeah. and then, uh, a month down the line it's like all of these problems have arise because of the fact that um you essentially didn't have the right information
0: yeah and that's so, a shame especially like if you're a first time buyer I know for for myself your funds are often limited so if you exactly. end up being told that that wall that you wanted to take down mm. to open up the kitchen and diner yeah. has to go through a process where you've got to get a license from the council mm. or something yeah that's two free grand that you didn't account for and you could have exactly. made a different decision if you was actually given some of those informations up front do you get what i mean exactly so, yeah exactly
1: so that's why for me it's just i'm very much based on being as qualified as possible right now i'm trying to do get two qualifications within the property industry. Mm-hmm. I'm even looking to do uh, an accountancy qualification because I don't even want to pay my accountant, even though shout out to Patrick, amazing guy. <laughs> I don't even want to, <laughs> I don't trying to pay cut him, him off. Any money. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to save that like two and a half grand that I, that I have to pay him at the end of, end of the tax year. So yeah. it's like, um, just little things like that goes a long way. And I think if we as a community take a little step back and really do our get our experience and qualifications we can we can create our own socio-economic system Mm. within our own community where if anybody wants x y and z if they want a wig if they want their nails done if they want to buy a property if they want to buy this if they want to buy that we have the people that are within our community that have the setup that have the infrastructure to, to facilitate that yeah. and we can literally just be be spending our own currency within our own community as opposed to if you were to think of a car dealership or, or a property person or a banking you know someone fir- yeah, you, yeah
0: yeah
1: so unfortunately right now when you think of people in professional positions it's the black person isn't the first person that you automatically think of yeah. but we have the capability to for that to happen unfortunately yeah. um so that's yeah that's one of my goals my visions yeah. i'm going on a bit a, of a tangent I'll
0: no just... no 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 that's fine no it's, it's good to hear because um we need more of this because mm. again when you think of the issues that we we often see on social media you know when you're having a conversation with your friend it's all good to you know have your opinion but we need solutions um yeah. so the fact that yourself and there's a lot of other people that are trying to push different industries to be able to because at the end of the day you know, we're not all going to be the boss and that's the mm. reality. And there's nothing mm. wrong with that, but someone mm. has to be that leader. Someone has to mm. make that transition in order to help bring other people up. Um So, definitely. but I think like you said about the whole, you know, ego thing and humility, I think it's also being okay with being underneath somebody and not seeing mm. that as a negative. Um, yeah. Instead of like too many cooks sort of thing, it's just yeah, not going to work, you know, for us to go forward. But you know that like, you've obviously touched on being self-employed now, Um, Mm. So how was that transition like if someone else wants to like think about that in the future or maybe they were at the same Mm. stage as you was last year um, Mm. Yeah what kind of what's the first steps that they need to consider to to kind of start doing their own thing
1: Um, So just to give a bit of a uh, scope of what I do now so I essentially work with he likes to call himself a marketing agency Because essentially he markets all of the properties that I have um, on so basically it's like the American real estate industry. So every, as I said in the beginning, everybody's self-employed. So, um, they essentially work under a banner and then they're all self-employed. They pay themselves for a limited company, most of them. And then they essentially use the company that they work for as a marketing tool to market their properties, depending on the company, they might send them inquiries and leads and stuff like that. So essentially that's what I, where I'm at now. Okay. So fully self-employed, um, but I'm under a banner. What I would say is I was obviously very scared coming out um, because I can't hide behind a salary. If I don't make a sale, I'm obviously not gonna get paid. So one thing obviously you need to have is having, because of how long a transaction takes, you need to obviously have a decent amount of money behind you um, just so you can obviously sustain yourself mm-hmm. and really having connections. I was I was very intentional. Um, to get to be essentially connected with every single person whether it's a broker solicitor um, other agencies I was very intentional in terms of keeping their contact details so I made like a big logbook of everybody that I've ever met in the four years I've been in the industry and then yeah just basically telling what I used to do like six seven months prior to me leaving was I was telling many of the clients that I was selling properties to I'm looking to set up my own company here are my contact details, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually got like four properties from that from when I started. So I actually started off quite well. Um, So really just being intentional about, okay, telling people what you're going going to do and even whether it's clients or it's other people within the industry, letting people know just so you might have the skills and qualities that they don't have effectively.
0: So what advice would you give to someone that's interested in real estate and getting into the field like the things that you wish you had known when you first started?
1: Um, The amount of hours that you need to commit to and just being confident. Confident in what you are doing. At first it's going to be quite overwhelming but if you're quite confident and you're, you're committed to the industry because the money will eventually come but it's just a case of having that period of time of actually understanding what you need to do to get to that place but if I didn't get to where I got to so quickly because i navigated the property industry very like very very quickly I would basically um probably wouldn't be where I am now so it's just a thing where I would um I would just advise them to be intentional if you're looking to stay in the industry long term do that Um, be intentional and just be confident what
0: you're doing and in regards to like you know um applying you don't have experience what could they do to maybe if they if they find that they're applying and nobody's getting back to them what could they do in terms of maybe, I don't know, voluntary or something else to maybe give them some there skills? Isn't,
1: there isn't really much to do. You just have to keep on applying. What I would say is go for recruitment companies. Okay. So there are particular property recruitment companies that will help you, because um, I never applied for any jobs. So it was just the recruitment companies that helped me get all of the other jobs that I've ever had.
0: So earlier you were talking about your parents building back home um, in Nigeria. And I just wanted to find out how do you feel or have you ever... Thought about taking like the infrastructure of how we have like a state state agents here in the UK back home. Cause I know for myself, I visited Ghana last year um, and I saw for people from the diaspora, it was quite a difficult process in terms of renting and buying, like the infrastructure was just so different to the UK. So yeah, like what's your thoughts on, on maybe taking what you you've built here, like what you've learned and stuff like that. Um, maybe back to Nigeria.
1: Yeah. Um, so, one of my actual dreams and aspirations and it's slightly in the works and in the plans for, um, the next 24 months is to actually develop over in Nigeria. To be honest, the, I'm not too sure about like other African countries, but, um, Nigeria particularly, they have a very interesting way in terms of renting, and also buying plots of land Mm -hmm. so and i think and also in terms of developing because ultimately it's quite uh as with everywhere it's quite a prestigious thing to say you're a landowner or you've built a house and things like that just because especially because of the fact that the conditions in nigeria are a lot worse compared to over here Mm. bringing in let's say like the like the western real estate infrastructure over to like Africa and Nigeria it is slightly happening now because if even if you go if you go to places like I'm probably you probably saw in in some places in Ghana particularly in Nigeria there are a load of new build type um, complexes Mm -hmm. happening um, which is very very new to especially nigerians um where there are certain hotspots. for instance in nigeria there's lecky tollgate um Leki phase one top four there's different types of Leki. um and then you've got we've got a big complex um happening called echo atlantic where you're, you can buy a one bedroom apartment for a million dollars which is unheard of mm. so <laughs> It's, diff- it's difficult to bring, let's say, for instance, the West in terms of like the regulations, because it's very un- highly unregulated mm. in Nigeria in comparison to the Western world in terms of housing. It's only when you have people of wealth where they tend to get solicitors and things like that. It's usually just there are um, flimsy contracts and usually word of mouth that are agreed in terms of renting and buying plots of land and things like that. So it's definitely for me something that I want to do eventually in Nigeria. But do I see the Western infrastructure of the um, state agency business going over there? Probably not in my lifetime, mm. maybe in the next generation, because it's definitely on its way there. But Nigeria is just a very stubborn country. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you said that because um Like when, when I went out to Ghana, like, um, just even speaking to other people that are from like the UK or US Mm -hmm. and they talk about like estate agents having to, um, they having to pay estate agents to like pick them up. And yeah. um, sometimes only seeing one house for the day, um, yeah. which we take for granted here, because I know when I was, we was like shopping for um, a property, you can see like all 13 houses yeah. in one day, um, you yeah. don't pay anything. So the cultural yeah. differences. So I think, um, I guess there's some areas like maybe just um, best practices that could be brought mm. in. But again, it's a cultural difference. Yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, in regards to like, you're a host of your own podcast as well, the black property podcast, like what inspired you to, um, to really start doing a podcast? Um,
1: I think it was mainly in every space that I've been employed in so far, there's been no black people Mm. and a lot of people within our community want to have some access or some knowledge to the property industry so that's why like my podcast has two different realms to it in terms of what three actually property investing property careers and obviously information on buying your first property and things like that so i think for me it's really a case of i just really wanted to inspire people because a lot of people just say well most people assume that there isn't that many industries well careers I should say within the industry Mm. but you've got surveyors you've got interior designers you've got estate agents you've got property management you've got marketing you've got designing um there and that's just that's just the top layer you've got valuing like there's so much stuff that you can do within in terms of careers wise in the property industry and that's what I really wanted to highlight and because of the fact that the black community is so entrepreneurial and the property industry being so small once you have a good level of experience and contacts it's very very easy to go self-employed in the property industry and make a name for yourself just because naturally even just from a client basis it's all really based on referrals and it's very very easy to build up your network within the property industry because competitor so you're gonna you're gonna bump into them eventually and it's just it's just a knock-on effect so i just really want it to just aside from like the first time buyer information which is needed because we do have some i would say emotional attachment to um buying a property and i feel like sometimes it gets a little bit out of hand but it's not necessarily negative but i just feel like people don't contextualize their circumstances enough um, and they run. They just run a run before they can actually walk without knowing anything about the property industry or buying a property. And then, obviously, on top of that, just to just to really explain what is actually available within the property industry as a career.
0: Mm, that's really interesting what you said about being able to establish actually where you are in your current situation to to but being able to buy because I think that's the whole mm. thing. There's a lot of pressure to own a home. Um, mm. and things like that. Just like back in the day, I don't know if for your, yourself, but I know in my generation, it was like, be am um, buying like a car on HP was like a no-no. Everything, you yeah. know, you owned it outright. But then again, mm. now, you know, y- when you borrow, it doesn't mean it's anything bad. It means actually, you've got more free cash. It just depends yeah. on your actual financial circumstances. Obviously, HP and stuff like that can be negative or le- whatever. If you obviously not in a financial um, position to do it, but it, if you yeah. are borrowing money from someone else and freeing up your actual Mm. cash flow is actually more beneficial so yeah Mm. I think um that education is really needed so on a final note then if anybody's wants to you know look you up they might want to dm you ask you more about your career your podcast where can they find you
1: so I've got a few mixed socials um so for the podcast itself it's bp podcast underscore for instagram and then for twitter it's bp podcast underscore underscore for twitter and then my own personal i wouldn't say personal but it's more of a what i do in a day-to-day in the property industry for my instagram is ignatius which is i g n a t i u s dot martins real estate um so yeah you should be able to find me on that on instagram and then my own personal twitter where i talk a load of nonsense but also property related is Lazar underscore neuro
0: yeah i'll definitely share them in the um <laughs> the information um so under the podcast so guys you'll be able to find it don't worry um definitely do check it out um i follow them myself and definitely i like seeing the day in the life when you're going around to different properties really interesting so yeah definitely uh, some pages to follow there so guys, um, don't forget, you can check me out on Instagram at It's podcast and you can find all new episodes on, you know, anywhere you can listen to podcasts these days. Don't forget, you can also get involved in Ask the Coach where you can send in your career related question and you might feature in one of the upcoming episodes where I'll be joined by some industry guests and other coaches in the field. So guys, it's been great. And until next time.